Welcome to FileMaker Off the Record. You're listening to Thomas and Teresa of Profile Developers, discussing all things FileMaker for developers and power users. This is Thomas, and I am here with Daniel Shanahan. Is that right? That's right. With New Leaf Data. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here. I appreciate you taking your time out to talk with me. It's really nice, as we were talking before the show, it's really nice, uh, the number of podcasts now about FileMaker, and of course, you guys now, with a year under your belt, are becoming part of the veteran scene. Yeah, which is which is uh, cool for us. <laughs> yes, yeah. I thought I'd start with the basics. Uh, how did you get into FileMaker? You know, I... I got into FileMaker, I think like a lot of people who got into FileMaker. I am not a computer science major. I'm not an IT major. I was doing work in in a nonprofit, and somebody had told me about this software. I had no idea about it. And so that's how I found out about it, and I implemented it in this nonprofit that I was working with, and I liked it. So really, it was just mostly it was a a contact database that I built, and that was in that was in 1991. Uh, I'm currently in Ohio, but in I was younger in 1991, <laughs> and I I was uh, heading out to Durango, Colorado. So um, so while I was out there is where I really learned FileMaker. When I when I started in 91, I was certainly uh, you know I just knew the bare minimum, and then in 2007, so that's a big jump. But in 2007, a few things had changed for me professionally, and I decided to become a full-time FileMaker developer. So I was a junior developer, and I worked out in California. I was in California at the time, and I worked for Beeswax Data Tools. And then a year later, I started New Leaf Data in 2008. So at that time, I was a generalist and uh, only worked for myself. For people who, who know Beeswax, they have a number of employees there. But when I left there, it was just me. And so, you know, I was trying to figure out how can I how can I make this business work? And it took a couple of years. Then I started to, to learn more about things like value pricing, about niching, about positioning, and, and just, just trying to learn about it. And eventually it started to feel right, and I moved in that direction. So three years ago, I decided to focus my energies into one area and and then let that take me wherever it would. Yeah, Beeswax is a very, very uh, reputable place for sure. Mm -hmm. And a, a good place to, I would think, to learn. Boy, I could say if there's one thing, and you might have the same thing too, it'd be interesting to say, to hear what you and Teresa would recommend to up-and-coming developers. But if there's one thing I would recommend to an up-and-coming developer is if you can, work with one of the larger dev shops. Because there are there are people there, and really there's people there that you who aren't always well known in the community. But Beeswax just had a wealth of knowledge, just really, really uh, impressive developers who were very nice. And I learned I learned so much when I was with them. One thing you mentioned in that was um, was value pricing. Yes. So do you, is that how you do your billing now? 
value pricing is sort of a <laughs> it's a tricky topic in the community, it seems to me. So I I try to do value. Really, what I do is I say I fix price because that's in reality, that's what I do is I, I put a fixed price on things. I try and, and gather the value, but I think everybody's trying to gather the value. So even if you're pricing hourly, I think people are still trying to gather the value. Uh, it's a method. I like the methodology and the methodology helped me understand the complexity of pricing. And I'll, but I'll say that I'm, that I fix price. Uh, and I would say it this way too, that I'm, uh, that I'm a proponent of it, but I'm not an evangelist of it. Okay. I think that's where we would fall because what we're doing mm -hmm. is, is very similar to that. We do the clients that we've had for years and years are all hourly mm -hmm. because when I started with those clients, that was the only way that I actually knew that was a reasonable way to bill. Yes. And more recently uh, that we've been trying to get into value pricing. I don't think I have enough knowledge yet to do that in a, in a real practical way. Mm -hmm. So what I end up doing is giving two prices. One is hourly and one is flat. But, yes. But the, I try to base the flat on value. Yes. Uh, I don't know if I'm hitting that yet. It doesn't feel like I'm hitting it yet. <laughs> I think I still yes. have a bit to learn. Yeah, but, it's, it can be hard to learn value. It can be hard to, to ascertain the value because sometimes the client doesn't know what the value is. Oh, exactly. You know, the, the value uh, pricing piece for me came onto my radar when uh, it was at one of the DevCons. I wasn't there, but I heard the podcast of it, and it w was when there was a panel. And oh, you're probably right. familiar with You probably know exactly what the, I'm talking about. I, I remember that one, yes. Yeah. And so that's when it came onto my radar. And at that time, if you listen back to that, at that time, there was no conversation about positioning or it wasn't a very strong part of the value pricing process. And so when I started out with value pricing, I didn't have this concept of positioning. And as time moved on, I think some of the proponents saw the saw the the need for the positioning piece. And so now that's that's very common to hear those two go hand in hand. But when it when I first started, I did that was the missing piece. And so one of the great things about positioning, if people are able to do it, is that I don't know all the questions I need to ask, but I feel more confident that I'm asking the right questions and asking enough questions at the beginning of a project. So how do you, do your project leads come through your website or do they come from FileMaker? Or? Yeah, it's all from my web. It's all from my website. I don't know if you saw the difference. So I have, I have three different websites. Did you, did you see all three? I don't yeah, think so. Four. I had looked at, I think it was just newleafdata.com mm -hmm. and it's, and it mentions inventory right on the front. Right. So there's the inventory stuff on there. And then I have another, um, website and really the beginning of my funnel comes from another website called filemakerinventoryresources.com so one of the things i had to do this is true for anybody is once some once a company wants to become wants to position themselves as an expert in a certain area they have to they have to prove their expertise somehow 
And so my attempt at doing that, I, I won't make a claim for it, but my attempt at doing that is FileMakerInventoryResources.com, where I, I just started uh, doing research and listening to questions and then eventually writing. The result is I have these articles. There's 32 articles and there's 13 demo files. And what I did is I positioned myself not just on inventory, but inventory on the FileMaker platform. So that even niches me further. It might be a good move. It might be a. It might be too limiting to just say I'm. But that's what I did because I know FileMaker best of all. People usually do some kind of Google search, and and this often comes up on the first page, and then they start to read the articles, and I have a place where they could join a newsletter. So that's how I I start to begin my interaction with potential buyers. Does does that keep you busy? It does keep me busy. Summer was a little bit slow for me, but it does keep me busy. That's uh, the same thing. Whenever I listen to other podcasts or read anything about uh, doing software development as a business, as an entrepreneur, that finding your niche is definitely the way to go. And mm-hmm. so that's what we've been working on here. Inventory looks good. Maybe I'll take that niche. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Come, we'd, e- we'd either be in competition or I'll try and sell you what I've built. There you go. <laughs> I think there's lots of different niche, niches out, out there like that. And if you can, if you can land in it, th- part of it is if you can get, if you can garner, I don't know if that's the right use of that term, but if you can get an audience, yeah. if you can get an audience, then it's easier to get the next project. Yeah. Well, I have the, as I mentioned, the, the FileMaker inventory resources. So the, the beginning of, of my funnel starts there with the articles. And it, and I think it's a great place for the do-it-yourselfer who really has a, a grasp on what they're doing. They just need to figure out this one thing. And so hopefully they can come here and they can see, they can read about how would they do this thing in FileMaker. Like how would they do kidding or how would they put put a bill of materials tree together or something like that. How would you do transactions? And if there's no article, I'd love to hear from them and continue writing for the website. But there's a there's a further movement too, and I, I have a link at the top of that page that um, sometimes people are looking for a little bit more uh, is what I have discovered. And so I, I built this other page called FM Inventory Starter. And that's a skeleton file. I'm not really sure what to call it, a skeleton file or a template. It's not really a starter file, but it's a, it's more of a template. In that one, I put in all the tables that really most of the tables that somebody would need to start an inventory solution, most of the fields that somebody would need. Now, it does come with my naming convention, so that's part of the reality of FileMakers. It does come with, if you're going to build a, a file or a template, it's going to have that company or that person's naming convention. It has most of the layouts that you would need, but it doesn't have any scripts. And the thinking behind that was most of the business logic is going to reside in the scripts. And so here's a, a starting block for somebody, and they could they could create all the business logic from scratch, and they wouldn't have to 
go through and find out what they're not using and and tear that out. So there wouldn't be a lot of legacy code in there because there's really no code in there. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the problems I think a lot of developers have that they hesitate to do it is oh, I'm giving all my code away. That's right. And to separate out the concept of, well, that's the business logic. That's your thing to come up with. Uh, here's the here's the underlying structure. You're, right. you're, not, you're not giving much away. And to expose your naming conventions, I think, is not a bad idea anyway. I think there's a speed element that comes in once. Again, this might be a, for, a, for a new developer. But once a person, once a company decides on a naming convention, things can go much faster because there's less cognitive load about trying to figure out how to name a certain thing. You just know. And there's a there's a, a relaxation and a, a speed that comes with development on that piece. There's no more cognitive load to say, how if I do this, what happens then? Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. For the relationship graph, uh, we are very consistent with Anchor Buoy. Not a super strict version of it, but mm-hmm. anybody looking at it will recognize it as Anchor Buoy. And I've toyed around with some other styles. The biggest problem I have is that whenever I go back to one of my solutions that's 10 years old, it takes me all of 30 seconds to figure out the structure when it's it's the same thing. So I I just see so little value in switching to something else um, when when this works. Right. With this, um, if I can go back to the inventory starter, so one of the... One of the pieces, the inventory starter, I've created as a course so people can download the file, which is free. And then the course leads them through the process of if you're a, a DIYer, how to use this file. But then I also have paid courses that are complimentary. You don't need them. Certainly, if you if somebody downloads it and they already know how to, to build a transaction module, they wouldn't need to to purchase the transaction. But for somebody who's just starting out and trying to figure out how can I, what's next? How can I do this? There are these courses that can be helpful. Is the initial course a free course? Yes, that's right. The initial course is free and the initial course is the, is the FM inventory starter. So they, so they get that starter solution for free. And then if they want to expand their knowledge, learn a little bit more from you, then there's some yeah. paid courses that they can take. There's paid courses. So somebody who who wants to build inventory solutions and already knows uh, how to build the different modules and is comfortable with the naming convention or is fine renaming them, uh, they could take this and, and start building and they wouldn't need to pay for anything. But for somebody who's who's saying, gee, I, I don't even know what a transaction table is, what much less how to build it. So I have a course for that. So hopefully it's filling that, filling that uh, not just a niche, but filling that void. I put together a, a discount code for your listeners, and I, I don't know if this would be the time to do that, but I can give you that code. By all means, uh, sure. People can go to fminventorystarter.com and, and see the different options there. But if they decide to buy, if they type in profile2019, then they'll get a 20% discount. Well, I thank you and they thank you. 
You're very welcome. And I, um, I have that until the end of October. I have one more thing if I can. Sure. Uh, because this whole, this whole process of writing the articles and then creating the starter file and then the courses in the process of doing that, I inevitably received emails from people who didn't fully understand what the starter file was, even though I tried to explain it very clearly. If some people will eventually email me and say, do you have anything that's more built out? Uh, I didn't, I didn't realize I had to do all the scripting. Do you have anything that has all the scripts? And I didn't uh, for the longest time. I just had to say no. But then in in December, I I did start to build uh, an off-the-shelf solution. And people can find that at traceinventory.com. And that's, oh, I should say this. It's T-R-A-Y-S-E inventory.com. So it's a little different spelling of trace. I'm very glad you spelled it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But the idea is, you know, it's a, this happens every once in a while in softwares. People use take liberties with, with names. But the idea is that um, the transaction piece is a really big module in the inventory piece that I built. And the idea is that a company would be able to to know where their inventory is at any given time from even before it arrives, because there's a purchase order module. So in the purchasing, in the receiving, in the putting away, in moving it throughout the various places of the warehouse, and in the selling and picking and the shipping, all the way through, they will be able to know exactly where their inventory is. There were a couple things that you mentioned. Uh, One that you, so the courses that you have online, one is on transactions which is a tricky concept for a lot of developers. Yes, that's a good point. My course is on inventory transactions, which is different than database transactions. Ah, okay. So that's a great point to bring up. And uh, so people uh, people in the community would probably be familiar with the work that Todd Geist has done on database transactions. Yeah. I, w- I would yeah. expect and he's so. not the only one, but he's he's certainly well known uh, for many things, but well known for his work on that. This is not that at all. It's not this okay. Is, this is a movement log. What does that mean? Um, so a movement log is anytime inventory moves into the warehouse, throughout the warehouse, and out of the warehouse. Okay. That there's a a, a log record is created. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. The other thing that you mentioned that just caught my ear was uh, doing kitting. Yes. Um, So for uh, one of the projects we're working on right now, the same one that's in the medical industry, they actually do kitting as well. And we've had, it's interesting, kitting isn't as straightforward as it might seem. (laughs) Right. There's there's a little bit to it. So I can understand why you'd have a a course on that alone Mm -hmm. or mixed in with the others. But Kidding, kidding can be complicated. Yes, and you bring up a, another great point, Thomas, and that is, and th- I struggled with this as I created Trace Inventory, the off-the-shelf inventory solution. I struggle with it because as I build it, I have to make so many decisions. But really, you and I both know, and, and probably most of your listeners know, it takes away from the custom build. The great thing about FileMaker is it's so flexible and 
when we do a custom build, we can adapt to what the user needs. So that's been a tricky road to to walk. Oh, for sure. Ages ago, I sold a package solution that was an invoicing solution. Mm-hmm. And to make it as flexible as possible, because every business, it's its amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the customers I had were photographers. They were musicians. Uh, there was uh, people that rented out doves and rented horses <laughs> and ro- yeah. raised buffalo and... You know, it's all over the place. And every right. single one of them did things differently than somebody else. You know, That's right. And and when you started it, I presume that when you started it, you think, here, how hard could it be? Not that it's not, not that it's an easy thing to build, but the concept is pretty straightforward. You, you would think, here's, here are these things I sell. I send, I, I send them, an, I create an invoice, send it to my customer. That's got to be universal. But then you start selling it and you talk to people and you realize, no, that's not universal. People have all kinds of variations on that process. Yeah, I, I would say there's not two businesses that do things in exactly the same way that's, unless yes. they're a franchise. Yeah, it was, which it is, was really Which amazing. is interesting when we think about the, um, the SaaS world that we live in now. And certainly that, the, that wasn't available in 1991 when I started or probably when you started as well. Uh, but now there are so many of these app of these uh, appliance applications that Claris Claris calls them these appliance apps, and I use them. And but there are things that I want to change and I can't. But that's the that's the real power of FileMaker, and I think that's one of the reasons that um, that FileMaker is still doing well is because you can't do everything with an appliance app. Yeah, you mentioned Todd Geist earlier, and one of the things he said that I heard him say at DEF CON this year was custom software is the future. Mm. There's just mm. no way around it. And, yeah. And, uh, and I, I think he's right. Yeah. I think so too. So one thing I was, that I had on a list of questions that I was going to ask you, uh, is about project management. So if you're alone, uh, do you PM your own projects and do you use a SAS solution to help you? I do use a SAS solution. It, it does help me a lot when I'm alone because it creates um, it creates a log as um, as we we both know when we go back into a solution and try and figure out what we did and why we did it if we don't have any notes about that then that's really hard to remember what happened so so a PM solution is helpful for that but I do also work with subcontractors. And so then it just becomes vital because you can't, you know, if you have more than one person, you absolutely have to have something. I use an app called Aura Task. It's a SaaS app, O-R-A, uh, I think it's O-R-A task.app. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, O-R-A dot P-M. It's, a, it's kind of like a Trello-esque kind of a thing. I Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I enjoy it. I, I got a pretty good deal on um, on it from AppSumo. So aside from the inventory focus, are you working on any kind of a passion project at the same time? Um, that's a great question. And the uh, I pause. I, I was for a while, but I haven't touched it in a long time. And I was working on a on a task management system, but I've put it down. There's so many task managers 
out there already. So I, I struggle with, um, should I connect this to an existing thing via the API or should I build it in FileMaker? Really, the, the interesting thing is every once in a while, somebody will say, no, I'd rather have it in FileMaker. And I think, why? There's so many task managers out there. There's, <laughs> there's Trello, there's Asana, there's Jira, there's a ton of these things. And they said, no, I want it in fun. So, so I might go back to that. Um, trace inventory is brand new. And so, you know, I'm just starting that process. But once that starts to get a hold, I might revisit this, this task manager because I think it could be, I think they could be complementary modules, particularly with the, with the build. If you have an internal build, for instance, if you have an assembly or a manufacturing process. So for instance, on the kitting, the kitting, it's one piece to say what goes in a kit. And of course, there, that could be hierarchical. There could be a tree right. of that. But then the other piece is what are the steps to make that happen? And so that's where I think a task management piece can go hand in hand or hand in glove, I guess, would be the right thing. Hand in glove with something like an inventory. Do you have any advice? You've already given a little bit for like new developers, but if, you know, for somebody that's, that's looking to get into being an independent developer, uh, beyond working for a larger firm, maybe they're not even to that point yet. Is there any advice you have for any wannabe developers? Well, I would say that a couple of things, if let me backtrack and say, if you are going to work for a large firm, it's, it would be fantastic if you could, if you could be on site with that firm. I know there are still I know there are some firms that are totally remote, but there are still a number that are on site. So if you could be in that environment, that would be great. If you're an in-house developer, if you have it, that could still be a great experience, too, especially if you have a team. So any any way that you can get around people who have been doing this and do different projects, that's very helpful. Uh, if you're not an in, if you want to be an independent, then um, find your closest meetup, and even if it's several hours away, try and get there a couple times a year. Make random calls. If you see people, either on Twitter or um, I'm not on Twitter, but however you would see other developers, FBA members. If you're an FBA member, reach out. Uh, I I think most of us are very happy to say hi and carve some time out, but just build your network. I think that's very, very important. Yeah, I agree with that. So the last question I have, maybe it's one you can answer. Where do you think FileMaker is going? Gosh, I don't know. Um, I, that is a great question. And I think about it a lot because all of us, we've, we've, um, we've made our choice, even though we, you know, I know there's many people in the community who do other things too, like maybe Salesforce work or um, WordPress work. But for me, this is this is my bread and butter. So I don't know where they're going. Um, I'm, but I, where they go, I'll I'll follow because this is where <laughs> this is this is where I place my bets, sort of thing. I certainly think I'm 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 excited about the direction. It's hard to speak about the new direction without, um, you know, I don't want to, I think what Dominique did for the community, for the platform for 20 years can be overshadowed by the excitement of 
things like Claris Connect. I'm excited about the new movement. I think I want to be appreciative of Dominique's time as well. Oh, for sure. He, he did a remarkable job. Yeah, I think there's a lot of support. I think I like the way the Claris is moving. I think, uh, I think people in the community, FBA members, individuals like myself or like your, your place, the, the podcast, I think the dev shops, I think everybody's got a positive attitude. And so I'm excited about the future. Yeah, me too, for sure. Thank you for your time, Daniel. I, ver- I really appreciate it. And I think my listeners are going to appreciate it. Thanks so much, Thomas. I'll send you an email with the links and with this discount code. Yeah, and I'll put those I'll put those links in the show notes. And okay. just to remind people. There's several websites that people might my my website is newleafdata.com. Uh, the articles can be found at filemakerinventoryresources.com. The the starter solution, the skeleton scar- starter solution can be found at fm inventorystarter.com and the off-the-shelf solution can be found at traceinventory.com trace is spelled t-r-a-y-s-e and the discount code is profile 2019 that's correct awesome and that will give you 20 percent off of the courses thanks so much for this opportunity thomas i really appreciate it sure my pleasure bye-bye bye-bye So that wraps up our episode. I want to thank everyone for listening tonight. We really appreciate it. If you'd like to reach me or Teresa, you can reach us at offtherecord at profiledevelopers.com. Thanks again to Daniel Shanahan for joining me, and we will see you next time. Good night.